0: Good morning. Welcome to worship on this Pentecost Sunday. We're so glad you're here to worship with us, and we have a treat in store. As you can see, we've got an expanded choir here today, along with uh, some wonderful instrumentalists, and we're going to have some remarkable music in worship today. As you know, this is Glenn DeLange's final Sunday with us as he retires, so we're celebrating his retirement this this morning and really celebrating his 25 years of service to the San Marino Community Church. There will be a little gathering following worship in the courtyard, so we hope you can linger around and join us for some cake and an opportunity to celebrate. A few words will be spoken at that time. Um, Pentecost is the birth of the church. Uh, There's a number of things that will be taking place in the coming weeks that I want to bring to your attention. Importantly, next weekend... On Sunday, the 16th, we have a special congregational meeting that's been called. It'll be right at the end of worship at the 10 o'clock worship service, so about 11 o'clock. It'll be a brief meeting to receive the report of our officer nominating committee and to take action and vote on our new officers for the coming year. So we hope you can join us for our congregational meeting next Sunday. Also, uh, during the summer, we have cereal conversations which are taking place. If you're up early, don't know what to do with yourself or want to do something with your kids, bring them over to church. We have cereal and donuts in the courtyard before worship, starting at 9 o'clock, and we'd love to have you join us for a little time of fellowship before we worship on Sunday mornings. This Sunday begins a three-week training session for our leaders in children and student ministries. And this morning, following our little gathering of uh, cake and, and donuts and coffee, uh, the San Marino Fire Department will be here, and they'll be doing some training on safety for our leaders and children and student ministries. So those of you involved in that, please linger for that training this morning. Also, um, this Tuesday is our all-church golf outing at the San Gabriel Country Club. And uh, those of you who've signed up, just remember we've got a tea time on, uh, on Tuesday uh, about noon, and we'd love to have you join us for that golf outing. Also, uh, one of the new programs this summer is Summer Backyard Worship Services. They begin on Thursday, June 20th, and periodically throughout the summer there'll be opportunities to bring food, gather together, a uh, little worship in someone's backyard together, and a time of fellowship around uh, food and worship. Hope you can join us for that coming Thursday, June twentieth, seven thirty p.m. Um, and I think that covers most of the announcements. Just two others. Um, it's with sadness that I uh, convey to you the message that Lloyd Ogilvie uh, died this June fifth. Uh, Lloyd Ogilvie is no stranger to our congregation. He's preached here on a number of occasions. Lloyd was the 61st chaplain of the United States Senate, served in that capacity for eight years, the former pastor of First Presbyterian Church, Hollywood, Presby- uh, Hollywood uh, California, and um, he, he uh, finally uh, was unable to beat the cancer that was attacking his body. He died at 88 years old. Also, a member of our church who passed away recently, Nelson Jones, The Jones Memorial Service is being planned for Friday, June the 21st at 11 a.m. here in the sanctuary. So for those of you who want to attend, we welcome and invite you to join us for the Nelson Jones Memorial. Those are the announcements. Uh, As we begin our worship together on this Pentecost Sunday, let's stand and greet one another and pass the peace of Christ. you join me in our call to worship responsive call to worship printed in your bulletin a mighty wind has blown and tongues of fire have danced come holy spirit we await you with joy
1: Way enough to be seated, let us turn our attention to our prayer of confession this morning, where we see more of God's beloved love of us. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace and finding in you our refuge and strength. Through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. And now turn your hearts towards God silently. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. At this time, I'd like to invite all of the children to come join me behind the communion table. And if you are an adult sitting on the center aisle, would you not mind signing those friendship pads, not only alerting us that you are here, but also signing the connection card to note us of an address change or a joy or a concern that you have? Has your mom or dad ever sent you into the other room to go get somebody from the other room? Yeah, that happened to me also. And it usually happened because my mom would yell, Supper's ready! So that would fall on deaf ears. No one would come running. And you know the food was delicious. It must have been that they just couldn't hear. They were in another room. They were focused on something different. So I would often go to the other room. My mom one time got a little frustrated with it. She thought maybe my dad was a little hard of hearing. We even went so far as to go to the hearing doctor. So we went to the hearing doctor, myself and my dad. We were sitting there. My dad's a little bit of a comedian, and so when the doctor said, So, what are we here for? He said, what? (laughs) We continued with the test, and he got some really fancy, cool earphones to put on, the kind that cover your whole ear, and you can't hear anything else but what's going on inside. And he yelled to the doctor, can you turn on some beach boys? He had no hearing problem, but he did have a listening problem. (laughs) I think a listening problem is something that young people, medium-sized people, and much wiser people sometimes have. You know, sometimes God talks to us, and we are in the other room figuratively, and we're just not able to hear. Sometimes God's message falls upon us and we're just not able to understand or hear it. So I leave us with this question. I wonder what keeps us from being able to listen, not only to God's voice, but other people too. It's a deeper question we can't unpack just here, so we're going to go off to Sunday school, and you all will stay here and think about that a little bit more. But before we go, let's pray. Would you repeat after me? Dear God, Thank you, thank you for ears. For ears. Sometimes, Sometimes they don't always work, they don't always work. But, maybe that's what's inside. but maybe that's what's inside. Help us work on that. Help us work on that. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's walk off to Sunday school.
0: Well, we have had a chance to hear and listen to this wonderful piece of music that you just heard, Wondrous Love, which was a commissioned piece of music by the San Marino Community Church in honor of Glenda Lang for his 25 years of service. And it was composed by his good friend, Dr. Ron Keane. And uh, this was the second performance of this particular piece of music. It was debuted on Easter Sunday here, and uh, every time I listen to it, I really get a chance to appreciate the beauty of that music. Uh, I do think, however, we may need to get Glenn a new sport coat after this service. He's... Uh, <laughs> you're working as hard as I've ever seen you work, Glenn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He said, it's all he's got left. (laughs) We now have the occasion to listen for God's word to us. As it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, we're in a summer preaching series entitled Reframing, and we're looking at the different parables of Jesus and asking the question, how do they reframe the way we see life, the way we live our lives? So I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Now when a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on. The birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. And as he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. Well, then his disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, so that looking they may not perceive, and listening they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. and The ones on the path are those who've heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe only for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. But... As for that, in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and a good heart, and they bear fruit with patient endurance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God. You who come to us in flaming tongues with a spirit that grabs our lives and transforms them. Speak now your word. Open our ears that we may hear. Help us to listen, we pray. In the name of Christ our Savior, amen. So a few years ago, I had the occasion at this time of year following graduations while visiting friends to speak to their son who had just graduated from college. Following graduation, he and five friends spent six weeks touring Europe, part of their graduation celebration with one another. They stayed in hostels. They traveled by Euro Pass. Or Ural. England, Ireland, Paris, Munich, Switzerland, Bulgaria were a few of their destinations in that period of time. And it was immediately apparent, as he told me a little about his trip, that he thoroughly enjoyed the adventure of it all. There in the cradle of Western civilization. When I asked what was the most Interesting part of the trip, he described his experience at the Jameson Distillery. (laughs) Ireland. Apparently at the time they visited, they were taking pictures for advertising and these boys were asked to pose for some of them. I thought, well, okay, you know, a bunch of fraternity brothers here at the Jameson Distillery getting their pictures taken. I can see how a young man might find that rather interesting. So I pressed him a little more. I said, well, tell me about your trip to Paris. Did you visit the Louvre, that great, famous art museum? Yeah, we did, but I was done with that place in 15 minutes. (laughs) And then he told me this fascinating description of riding waterfalls down the side of the mountain in Switzerland. So I asked him about Munich, and he simply said, well, there was nothing to do there except drink. (laughs) And by the end of the conversation, I found myself dismayed and disappointed that a recent college graduate could find so little European history, culture, religion, art, architecture of any interest. With so much to learn from the generations that have preceded us, so much to explore in art, literature, music, architecture, with so much religious history that's taken effect in places like this. It seems these guys largely went through college and then Europe, finding nothing to do there but drink. The problem is we expect great things, but we have no real power to receive them. The opportunity was there to deepen their understanding and experience, to go beneath the surface of their education. The soil was just not receptive. I don't want to be too severe in my judgment on these guys because I was just like them. (laughs) And they deserved a little... Time to blow off some steam following graduation. So maybe you can attribute this to youthful indiscretion and exuberance. But as the old saying goes, we get too soon old and too late smart. And what concerns me is that these boys might reflect more than just their worldview, they may, in actual in actuality, reflect a societal shift taking place, a kind of metaphor of our own cultural values. We just seem so much more focused upon our present entertainment that we've lost touch with things of value, things to be learned from the past, things to explore in sacred spaces, And we may just be sleepwalking into the future. Some years ago in the LA Times magazine, Jack Smith reflected on the subject of wonder. He quoted Carl Sagan, the world-renowned astronomer and astrophysicist, famous for writing about popular science and the television show Cosmos. Sagan writes that wonder is a very powerful emotion. All children feel it. In the first-grade classroom, everybody feels it. In a 12th-grade classroom, almost nobody feels it, or at least acknowledges it. Something happens between the first and 12th grades, and it's not just puberty. Jack Smith doesn't so much place the blame for this reality on our educational systems, but He suggests we don't like to admit what we don't know, and then he writes, remember when you used to wonder, why was the sky blue? Why does water always run downhill? Why does the moon shine? Where did frost come from? Why do bees sting, or where does God live? And he goes on, We gather from the test scores of college students that the young no longer wonder about the geographical world they live in. Some can't even find the United States on a world globe. Science and faith depend upon a sense of wonder, a sense that we don't yet know enough And we need to know more. We can blame teachers for that loss of interest, but students at least have to share the blame. How might we need to reframe the way we think to be able once again to wonder about the world God has created and is redeeming? Now, when it comes to this parable, scholars believe that this is a bit of a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. And sooner or later, everyone comes to a point where you have to take an honest appraisal of your success at what you're doing. Jesus' public ministry was underway for a considerable time, and it seemed there was a great deal of success in that ministry. Crowds came by the thousands, to hear him preach. The disciples seemed genuinely impressed and were willing to follow him. The crowds even tried to proclaim him Messiah a couple of times, but they had failed to notice what Jesus was all too aware of. Many came, but few stayed. Thousands would wait for a miracle, especially if it benefited them, but they disappeared once the teacher began talking about putting first things first, about subordinating the physical and the material needs to our spiritual needs. The crowds began to disappear when he talked about sacrifice about losing your life in order to gain your life, and making any sacrifice for the kingdom of God. So Jesus pulls his disciples in close and tells them the parable of the sower, or perhaps more accurately described by some as the parable of the soils. Jesus suggests to them it's not the message and it's not the messenger that's the problem. The reception is the problem. The soil has to be ready to receive the seed or nothing takes root. Driving past the Louvre doesn't introduce you to art history. Students go to prestigious colleges for an outstanding education, but it doesn't happen by osmosis All the needing, all the wanting, all the expecting in the world will not ensure any delivery into your life. We have to prepare for an outstanding education. We have to do the work of learning. We have to be willing to change our ideas about life Because the fact of the matter is the world owes us nothing. But it's a place of endless opportunity. Remarkable learning. If we open our eyes and our ears and approach life and faith with curiosity and wonder. So how is the soil of our lives? Are we hardened by the past and impenetrable, closed off from any new discovery or any new fascination with life? Have we closed the doors on even the possibility that God might want some deeper penetration into our lives? Might be willing to teach us how to live? Or perhaps our lives are a little bit more like the seed that falls among the rocks, takes root early, grows quickly, but it's the challenges. When they arrive, it just exposes the superficiality of our faith. It all becomes exposed. There's little staying power. When things get tough and difficult, we take the path of least resistance. While Jesus is constantly inviting a deeper exploration, dedication, we simply seek an easier road. Or maybe it's the cares and worries of this life that have choked off other possibilities for us. You see, the seeds of other less desirable values have invaded the soil. They strangle the good seed. We become preoccupied with possessions and our reputations and the accumulation of things. We become overly fixated on our own security and we lose our sense of adventure and our curiosity. There's just more immediate things to attend to. We expect great things, but we have no real power to receive them. We've not done the work to prepare the soil. We've not done the work to prepare our lives and hearts. Well, here's the interesting thing. Jesus seems to want us to think small. We sometimes talk about scalability. We want to change the world in big ways. Let's confront government. Let's save millions of hungry people. Let's provide relief on a global scale but few of us have the capacity or the influence on that kind of a scale. But we can still change the world by caring for those in our own orbit, whatever size that orbit may be. Simple things like honesty and trust, wisdom and integrity, they only appear to be insignificant. They're of enormous consequence. You may not be able to command an army or mobilize disaster relief, but you can participate in relief by contributing your time and talent and treasure. Small and simple acts like these were likely to make the mistake of thinking them insignificant. The truth is, these small seeds produce a harvest out of all proportion to their humble beginnings. Great things often come disguised. So don't be deceived. Life is ambiguous and it appears sometimes insignificant. Maybe we should be less worried about results and more focused upon planting the right seeds justice and kindness, humility and integrity, a life of generosity and thankfulness. That seems to be close to what the Lord requires. Instead of simply reflecting the cultural values around us, maybe we should be more of a contrast to the glitzy, glamorous world that surrounds us. What if we spent less time on our appearance, for example, and more time on our character? What if our thoughts turned from how successful we might be to how faithful we might be? The early believers adopted a lifestyle that affected the entire world. They were faithful in their relationships. They disciplined their appetites. And they restrained their own desires for the sake of building the community. Maybe it's time for the church once again to think small and change the world by planting these ideas and these kind of behaviors disguised as unimpressive and insignificant, but they actually lead to life and life abundant. There's an old story. Why was it that so few understood Jesus the student asked the teacher. The Pharisees and the scribes constantly opposed him. His disciples often seemed confused by his teaching, and still others suggested he was possessed with demons. Even his own family feared for his mental health. And the teacher replied, Once there was a wedding couple who brought in the finest musicians to entertain their guests immediately after, after the wedding ceremony. The music was so fabulous that soon everyone, young and old, began to dance. The people were dancing with such abandon as they flung their bodies from side to side. The church was just filled with joy. Two men driving by the church building in their new luxury car with the windows rolled up and the music blaring. They couldn't hear a thing outside the car. They saw those people in the church jumping around, and they stopped the car, shaking their heads at the sight, and exclaimed, what a bunch of weirdos. (laughs) Those people who go to church are crazy. Then the teacher paused after finishing the story, and he said, this is the conclusion people draw when they cannot hear the music to which others are dancing. The parable is clear. A small number of those who hear are prepared to receive. The seed's not the problem, it's the soil. So let the message of Christ take root in your heart. And it'll produce blessings out of all proportion to the insignificance of those humble beginnings. Now, hearing the music to which others are dancing and producing the music to which our hearts have danced for 25 years has been the gift of both Glenn and Loretta DeLange to the San Marino Community Church. Their leadership in worship here and their dedication to the quality of our worship has planted seeds through the years that have grown into a remarkable reputation for this church in the surrounding community as a place where beauty and elegance and worship will be experienced. Glenn began his tenure here as the interim. At the time, the pastor of the San Marino church had one question for him. It wasn't about his competence wasn't about his faith. It was simply, are you available? (laughs) And he was. And he has been ever since. It was not long before it became immediately apparent that we need to take the interim off that title. And he has been the director here for 25 years. His love of music, his knowledge of music, his love for worship, and his knowledge of our faith have benefited and enriched our life together and brought great joy. We've been dancing through the years to the music that these two have provided, and our hearts have been able to better receive the gospel because of it. So I just want to take a moment of personal privilege standing here in this place where I serve to say to you, seated in the place where you serve, thank you. Thank you for your partnership in ministry. Thank you for the music to which you have been dancing these past years. It has been a privilege and it has been a complete honor to be able to work with you. So I want to just take a moment in this place of worship. This is not what Glenn would prefer. But it's here that we have witnessed his gifts for ministry, given so liberally and shared so generously with us. Will you stand with me and thank him for his 25 years? Glenn, even though you're not employed here after today, um, just send me the dry-cleaning bill, and I'll take care of the car. (laughs) Let us pray together.
2: With that, let us turn our hearts and minds to God in prayer. O God, our creator, you are a God of all living things. You design the creation with an eye for beauty, and we partake of your splendor, and with many voices we give you thanks for your grandeur. By your Spirit, blend our utterances into a symphony of praise worthy of your name. We give you thanks for the Holy Spirit who guides, giving us gifts by which to respond to your will. We are your sojourners in our quest to be faithful. Help us to be more receptive to the seeds of your love. As your word is delivered, there are those who distort it and purge it of meaning. They render it bland and innocuous with impact impaired. Give us the insight to discern your message and the courage to confess trust in your truth. At times, our hearts are hardened by the trials that confront us. Tribulation tempts us to turn away from you, and we build idols and monuments to support our security. They are shorn of your wisdom and do not weather the storm. Give us the hindsight to learn from past deeds and the foresight to depend on your word Temper our desires with your compassion and help us to surrender ourselves to your protective care. May our understanding and obedience be in accordance with what you desire so that in our quest to be faithful, the yield of our labor may be pleasing in your sight. O God, we thank you for the gift of life itself, and we especially thank you for the gift of Glenn DeLange and the marvelous gifts of creativity you have given him. He is truly the product of seed well-planted in good soil, one who has heard your word and has been the bearer of glorious fruit for our hearts and souls over these past 25 years. We thank you for the gift of his music ministry and rejoice in the blessings so many have received. May you give Glenn a sense of fulfillment and completion, a time of refreshment and rest, and new opportunities for living the good news of your love in Jesus Christ. Oh God, you are our comforter. We pray that you will strengthen us in prayer that we may lift up the brokenness of this world for your healing and share in the saving love of Jesus Christ. Especially, we pray today for families suffering strained relationships, for those concerned with where their next paycheck will come from, or even their next meal. We pray for those isolated by sickness or sorrow, and for victims of violence or warfare. We pray also that your truths will prevail over falsehoods. As we continue praying together the prayer that Jesus has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: At this time of year, we receive our support for the annual Presbyterian Church USA, sometimes called Per Capita. Uh, We ask each member of the church To provide $69 which helps to fund the ministries of the Presbytery and the Synod and the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church. You'll find blue envelopes in the pew rack in front of you and uh, out in the courtyard afterwards if you would like to make a contribution to the ministries of the church. uh, This would be the Sunday to do that and we welcome your support. So let us continue our worship today by bringing before God our offerings, our gifts, and our tithes. Will the ushers please come forward as we receive this morning's offering?
3: the trumpets sound that the rocks resound our sinful souls
0: Sing to the Lord, he's worthy to be praised. Shout Hosanna to God for his everlasting
3: grace. Let the trumpets sound, let the rocks resound, his grateful voices raise.
0: And so, gracious God, we bring before you these gifts, but a token, a portion of the blessings that you've given to us. We ask that you would bless both gift and giver for the sake of Christ, and that you would take these gifts and multiply them and use them, that more seeds might be planted in the lives of others. We pray all this in the name and for the sake of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Let's be seated. Following the benediction, I invite you to sit down for a benediction response and to remain seated through the postlude. We've got some more fabulous music. The Spirit and the gifts are ours, through him who with us sideth. So go now, go into this week and into this life empowered by the Spirit of God. Let that Spirit plant seeds deep within your heart and nurture them into growth. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us all. Amen.